oh my gosh, I have way more equity than I thought I had. Maybe it's time to sell. Maybe we should do what Heather's talking about and do this evaluation. And I think that's going to be a game changer for everybody. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips here. Heather Marchant here. Happy Monday. We're going to have a good show. It's going to happen. This is also (laughs) a topic that we have been requested. And actually, it's something that comes up all the time just in everyday business. But this is something somebody was like, you know what? And it was somebody who went through this, right, Heather? And they they were like, you should do a podcast on this. This is like a little complicated, but not really. To me, it's not complicated because we do it all the time, right? So I forget sometimes when you're in it day to day and I have little hacks and things to help that it just comes naturally because I've been doing it for so long. So I thought a podcast would be a really good forum to talk about selling a rental property and all that that entails. Because right now I have a lot of clients selling their rental properties. I'm selling one and repositioning. Yeah, true. You are too. Yeah. I'm selling. So it's a great time to look at And I'm buying, selling (laughs) and buying. (laughs) (laughs) To make matters even more complicated, selling and buying. So yes, it's an adventure, but it is, there's lots of different options and avenues that people don't necessarily consider when selling a rental property. So when a client first reaches out to me and says, Hey, I feel like maybe my I should just check and see if my property values are up. Sometimes I'm reaching out to them first. I did that fairly recently on a large development that we sold in that area and said, "Hey, mm-hmm. these are selling for a better price. If you want to consider let it giving me if I can give you a sales analysis, let me know if you're wanting to move forward." So, the sale analysis from my perspective is whether you sell to an investor or whether you sell retail. We talked about that in our last episode. Yeah, but or whether you don't sell. Yeah, or whether you don't sell. I mean, so there are some obviously differences there. So first, is there a tenant in the property? Cuz that is mm-hmm. that lease is legally binding, right? You can't just say, "Oh, well I'm selling, so you should leave." <laughs> yeah. You you can Please this is and thank you. Get out of the house. <laughs> this is one thing you can do. You can say to them, "Hey, I'm not going to be renewing your lease when it comes up." And so I'm going to let you out early. This is something we've done quite a bit lately. So if you find a place in the next three months, then I'm giving you the option that I'm just going to let you out of your lease and you have a longer time to look for a property, which in a lot of ways is a better situation for the tenant to be in, right? So they legally can stay in the property or they can leave early if they find an option for them. So that is and I th- probably the first. you know when we're talking about valuations I'm just going to go and do a selfless plug of our really cool software that is we're going to be launching really soon like in the next week or two to mm-hmm. all of our clients where you can literally click a button and you can get the valuation for your house I mean oh it's going to be amazing pr- really close I mean so yeah. you can literally do what we're saying on your own well we're happy to help but you can do this kind of preliminarily yourself. Yeah. And I think that will really, really help people out understand, oh my gosh, I have way more equity than I thought I had. Maybe it's time to sell. Maybe we should do what Heather's talking about and do this evaluation. And 
I think that's going to be a game changer for everybody. And, you know, in addition to that, it'll just tell you your property is worth this plus your cash flow, plus, plus, plus all the stuff. Right. And you can actually look and see what your, mm -hmm. what your real return is with yes. everything included, which is going to be pretty cool. Anyway, I'm really excited it about it. For you. Yeah. Which is awesome. Heather's been working her butt off to make that thing. <laughs> so I'm really excited. I'm super <laughs> motivated because to finish it, because I feel like there's such a need and I can't reach everybody. I'm just too busy at this point. So I have to find a way to automate a little bit of what we do so that we can help reach more people and help more people turn that equity into more cash flow because that's massive. I mean, the equity is a well, huge part of accelerating your plan. I mean, I harp on this. I just did today. Like I had back-to-back -back coaching sessions with my coaching clients and three of them, I said, we talked about knowing your numbers. And this is a piece of knowing your numbers. This is a little business and you have to know your numbers. And this is one of the numbers you need to know. And it's one of the numbers that is really difficult to get until we roll out the software because you got to call somebody and you got to depend on them to get you a number. But soon enough, yeah. you won't have to do that. Soon yes. enough, you'll know enough that you can make some kind of an educated decision yourself. And then you can call for help if you want to take it to the next step, which is what I rudely interrupted Heather no, for it's my great. shameless plug on our cool software. I forgot <laughs> to even mention that. And sometimes I'm so afraid to talk about it because it's not officially, it's in beta testing and it's not officially launched yet. So I'm a little, but I'm glad you but brought that. But it's way cool. It's going to be wicked cool. So I mean, um, it's way cool. Sorry. Go ahead, Heather. <laughs> just We'll just come back for the way cools, Ron. Just it's way, way cool. <laughs> so the, the second piece, I guess, in evaluating that is current market rent versus the rent the tenant is paying. I've seen a big disparity in that lately. Rents have been going up nationwide. Ron sent me an article. Gosh, what was that, Ron? Like over the weekend or something mm -hmm. showing the growth month over month in the last like six months or something. It was insane. So a lot of properties we're seeing that rents are increasing and the current tenant has been in there maybe nine months. And so their rent that they're paying is lower than market rent. So that's an important factor in considering selling if you're going to sell to an investor. And then when the lease expires. So if the lease is going to expire in December, this is money because letting that tenant out of their lease, they're actually going to be so grateful. Oh, I don't have to move like January 1st. That sounds great. So if you reach out to the tenant and give them some grace to get out of the home so you can list it. So all those things really make a big difference in deciding whether you sell retail. So retail, empty house, in just, I mean, every market I've seen, you're going to make more money if the numbers work for retail to have it be vacant. That being said, you can sometimes get the same price retail versus to an investor. And if that's the case, or if it's close, then man, just keep the tenant in there and sell it to an investor. So, so much, much easier. easier. <laughs> so, so much easier. easier. So, mean, you know, yeah, go ahead. Didn't we just do our, our last our last episode is about how painful the retail market is. Yeah. So I guess you probably should weigh that into what Heather's saying as well, because I mean, it is a pain. I mean, it just is yeah. a pain and you may go through one or two people before it actually closes. And who knows, it may be super seamless and really cool and a smooth transaction that does happen. And it happens a lot, but it's not going to be smooth 
if you try to sell it on the retail market with a tenant in place for somebody who wants to own or occupy it after January, when your tenant moves out, that's going to be really tricky, really, really tricky. Yes, I agree. But if you happen to have a vacant property, I mean, you should, in almost every scenario, you should try to sell it retail unless you just don't want to fix it and make it look nice. Yeah. I agree. I would say the only exception I've seen recently is if you have a duplex with one side rented. Mm-hmm. I have had those go really well retail for buyers who want to live in one side and have a tenant in the other side helping cover the mortgage. That has been awesome having one tenant in one side of a duplex. I've actually done that in the last like 18 months, probably a dozen times almost. So that's been really effective. But Again, if it's just a single family home with a tenant in it, like Ron said, that's going to be a real tough sale. So, so that being said, back to so once we get our valuation, we know what the property's worth. I actually usually get two values. Often I get retail or investor, like with the tenant in place. And sometimes they're the same number. They're not always different numbers, but sometimes it's only a couple grand or five grand more to sell on the local market. And you have to wait and get the tenant out and potentially have the house sit vacant while you're listing it, making sure utilities are covered. I just had this on my sale of my empty house that I asked the property manager to keep all the utilities on for me and mow the grass while I am in escrow because it sold within like 48 hours and the gas wasn't on. So they did the inspection. The gas wasn't on, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to pay a couple fees to get that second inspection done. So those are a couple of things to be aware of if you're selling retail with a vacant house that you want to make sure that it's not, it doesn't just take care of itself. You forget those little details, but a good listing agent would help you with that. And man, we have such a good network of listing agents for that retail staff. If you need a recommendation, please reach out because we have really good people that have helped our clients. I, I know for whatever reason, in spite of my personality, I know a lot of people. And so it must be Heather, just because I've paid to be in rooms. Otherwise I probably wouldn't know anybody, <laughs> but I paid a lot of money to be in your masterminds. Yeah. The good news is I paid a lot of money to be in a lot of rooms with really smart people who are top of their field. And yeah. if I don't know somebody, they know somebody. And generally speaking within 24 hours, I can get realtors in really good realtors almost everywhere in the country. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Like somebody it's will ask, amazing. one of our clients will ask us and I'm like, yeah, let me try. Let's see what happens. Let me reach and out. then again, in spite of my personality, they actually reply. And then I, we come with a really good realtor in that area. Yeah. So a lot it's of times we do amazing. that and we have people who we help bought properties before and just have properties <clears throat> and they want to kind of parlay that into other properties. And we do the same valuation on those. So it doesn't make any difference whether you bought them from us or not. We do the same valuation on those properties. And I think we did a video, I don't know how long ago, we did a podcast on on valuation, on why oh. you would sell. And I think that's yeah. part of your, we take this so much for granted that I, in even talking about it right now, we've kind of actually skipped over the, do we actually sell the property? Because yeah. we're walking through, we've done this valuation. What is it that triggers that, Heather? Like, in your experience with all these clients that you've helped, you're walking through the valuation. What is it that triggers them to want to sell as opposed to keep the property as a rental property? 
Yeah, that's a great question. For like I mentioned on that episode, it was when I was up in Coeur d'Alene. So it was about a month ago we did that episode. But it really was that my rent went up on the property. And so I ended up keeping that property because it still performed well. So it's a lot about numbers. The other thing I would say is making sure, number two, that you can qualify for the replacement property if you're doing a 1031 exchange. If something's happened in your personal finances, you do not want to sell and then not be able to complete the 1031 because you can't qualify for financing. So that would be one factor why you just keep it. Right. And that happens. Again, one of the things we take for granted is that if you qualified once, you should be able to qualify again. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. So that's a really good step in between there is to make sure that you can actually qualify. And Heather, really briefly, because this isn't an episode about 1031 exchanges, but really briefly, why would someone not be able to qualify when they're selling a property? Because they obviously qualified for the first one. Is there any reason other than that they screwed their credit up or something that they wouldn't be able to qualify for the second one? Well, job changes as well. Like if you moved industries, the lender wants to see a history of you being in that industry. I believe it's two-year history. So there are employment changes and with COVID and stuff, there's more sometimes a little stricter guidelines. But also if you are going to make $50,000 from the sale of a property that you put $25,000 down, you have to qualify for a bigger purchase price because you have now $50,000 to spend. Right. That's where I was headed was if the market gives you a really big gift, I mean, let's rewind because we've talked about these duplex or these fourplexes in Boise quite a bit, but some of our clients made over $200,000 on those and they put 60 down. Their basis was $60,000. And when they're 1031 exchanging all of that money, either they have to qualify for a larger property or they have to qualify for more properties. Yep. And that's another thing too, is how many mortgages do you have? There's a lot actually that should go into the thought process about how, about what you should do with the market gift, right? You could anyway, that was was a really good one. Yeah. You could easily call a lender though and just say, Hey, this is what I want to do. I want to make sure that I can fulfill on the 1031 exchange and satisfy it. So the property I'm selling in Oklahoma and then taking those funds and moving it into a triplex, making sure that I can qualify for the bigger purchase price, right? Because I'm selling a house for two that I bought for 180 and I'm buying a property that's worth 300, right? So just making sure because you don't want to get into the middle of it and then go, oh crap. (laughs) So that is one thing just to dot your I's and cross your T's. And And the other thing is you get to count 75% of the income, right? So if you're buying another income property and there's a tenant in place, then you probably won't have a problem so long as the yep. cash flow is good enough because it should support itself. So that shouldn't be a big issue, that's but right. sometimes people are buying vacant properties without a tenant in place. And if that's the case, well, then you, you got to qualify for the whole payment, right? So, yeah. In fact, I think it bears telling a short story here that we brought I on love short a new stories. <laughs> we brought on a new lender and I was talking with the lender and kind of training him a little bit on how we do things because we do things differently than like everybody else. And I said, well, yeah, in this 1031 exchange, this scenario we just talked about, like, yeah, but it's going to cash flow. Your replacement property will cash flow. And so they should be able to qualify. They can count the income from the rent. And he looked at me and was like, what? There's no way. It's not going to cover all of it though, Heather. And I said, yeah, it will. And we kind of went back and forth 
And eventually I had to share a pro forma with him and show him like it cash flows. Look at the rent on this property. And his face, he said basically, I think I've just been dealing with rental properties that just do not cash flow like yours that do. Suck. So, yeah. yeah. So well, he I mean, didn't think, think it was it. possible. If you're, if you're dealing with anything on the East Coast or the West Coast, that's pretty much how it is. And yeah. so if that's where most of his stuff was that he was doing, it's no wonder he thought that. Yes. And it was if you live hilarious. on the East Coast and West Coast and you think that's what rental properties are, we have news for you. That's not how the rest of the country is. Mm-hmm. That's right. I stopped um, okay. myself from going on a tangent. You'd be proud of me, Heather. <laughs> I'm very proud I of you. I almost did. I almost did. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was close call. <laughs> so another thing to interject here: say you've made the decision to sell retail, because I feel like we've almost exhausted this part of a choice, I guess, of selling retail. But you need to have a 1031 exchange set up before closing. I've never had a client that I've assisted <laughs> mess up with so that. Elementary. But- I know, but I had a client say, I'm doing a 1031. I already sold a property like aside from RP Capital. And I said, oh, great. Who's your qualified intermediary? And he's like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And I said, well, have you closed yet? Well, yeah. And this is a very bright, intelligent individual. And I think it's just, again, I do it all the time, right? So he said, well, yeah, I just, I'm going to do the 1031. And I said, well, did the money come to your bank account when you closed? And he said, well, yeah. And I said, you didn't do a 1031 exchange. And in his case, he he might've said some choice words, but I said, yeah, that's not going to work. And he, I mean, he was grateful for the information, but I'm sure he hung up and had a bad weekend. But I said, look, we'll buy this property. We can do a cost segregation study. We can help bring down your tax liability, but you did not do a 1031 exchange. So you have to have it done before you close on the sale of that first property. Yeah. Whether have it's we done an investment episode on 1031 exchanges, we should probably do one if we have it. That's have we true. And Laura would no, I don't think Man, so. We should do that because there we are a bunch totally of rules. There are a bunch of rules. Yeah. And why are there a bunch of rules, Heather? Because the because IRS is in charge the, of it. That's right. Because the <laughs> government is in charge of the program. And worse yet, it's the IRS. So Yeah. Yes. That's why exactly. it also has a stupid name. Yeah, that's true. Good point. That's actually 1031 the code. Tax 1031. Exchange. Yeah, that's actually the code. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's why it has a stupid name. They should come up with something better than that. <clears throat> yeah, they really should. It should screw the, be called the, like... Screw the IRS sale or something <laughs> yes. really appropriate like that. Okay, yeah, sorry. Have, like, I've, I've now gone on two tangents, completely derailed us. <laughs> but we should so, do one on 1031 exchanges because I think it's relevant should. right now for sure. Okay. We should. I will make a note. I won't forget. I will just write it right now because I just did. Okay. So the other, the other method, I guess, would be to keep the tenant in the property and sell it as the rental property. We typically help our clients move those because we can sell them faster than anyone. And we have a method and streamlined process. And our investors are already vetted and qualified with a lender and they're all in, right? So generally... (laughs) I say generally, because not always, but generally they already know what the process is because the process was the same for them. Yes. It's only occasionally we have somebody go, wait, I have to pay for a home warranty. I'm like, yeah. I mean, didn't you get a home? Didn't you get a home warranty? Yes. That's the way this works. It's the exact same thing that happened with you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not, it's not different. That is really true that it's a conversation that on the seller side, they don't like. They love it when they're on the buyer side, but when they're on the seller side and I say, here's all the things you need to do. Here's all the things you pay for. They're like, <laughs> what? Wait a second. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's exactly how it works when we yes. sold it the first time to you and you just didn't know it. Yep. So all that fun stuff we were talking about in the last episode where sellers initially don't like selling with us because of all of the quote regulations we put on top of them. That's why you liked it to begin with. And it's, Mm -hmm. we don't change the policy when it's a client that's reselling their property to another one of our clients. The policy is the same, same. It's always exactly. And it's simple. It really is. So then at that point, once we decide to sell to an investor, we generate a pro forma. And we usually have you initial on the pro forma that the expenses look right from what you're actually paying right now. So your taxes mostly is the variable in there because we have the insurance quote and everything from our master insurance policy. But then you sign a seller agreement and we move forward with marketing the property. We have a transaction coordinator that handles all of the paperwork and stuff. So I think our the process I'm trying to make better is because we're doing a lot more of this right now than we have in the last couple of years because of the state of, of the market. Gifts being given <laughs> yeah. out right now. Lots and so, lots. The part I'm improving is the seller communication side so that you are informed and updated throughout the process because we have a whole system for our regular builders and rehabbers. But when our clients sell, that's something that we're improving right now because we're doing this so much right now, which is awesome. I love that everybody wins. I love that our clients can 1031 exchange the money into more rental property, more cash flow, and it's a huge gift to take advantage of. So, yeah, I mean, I think so. When you're going through the, we did a video, or I keep saying video, it's because I'm looking at myself right now. <laughs> we did a podcast. We did a podcast about the valuation, right? And where the market gives you money. And mm-hmm. this is a part of it that I think people, and when they first see it, sometimes it's a little eye opening how much money was just generated from the market itself. It's nothing, they didn't do anything except for collect rent mm-hmm. and get tax benefits and somebody paid down their mortgage, right? That's all that has been happening. Meanwhile, in the background, the market has been giving them this incredible gift. And sometimes it's a really big gift. And that's the idea that Heather just talked about was you have one property that you've owned that has produced cash flow, giving you a really solid return. And then it births three other units, right? It's just yeah. all of a sudden, bam, you have triplets and they're all producing all of this income, right? And then the whole process starts all over again. Sometimes it's a short time. Sometimes it's a long time in between when the market gives you a gift, but it nearly always does. And that's the valuation. It's how much of a gift and is it worth taking it now? I mean, to simplify it, I guess. That's really what it is. For sure. And then I guess the other option we haven't discussed, it would be refinancing. We didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about that. And people ask about that quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Doing I a just cash talked out to a guy refinance. today about that, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Tell us more. Well, then the numbers almost never work out really well for that. I mean, you just have to want to keep the yeah. property, I think, for that to happen. Or you had really low rents and now your tenant moved out. And because of that, you can raise the rents. And now the numbers work if you pull some money out. Because 
pulling out yeah. all of the equity of your property or most of your equity of the property, if the rents haven't gone up a ton, usually just makes you have almost no cash flow, which in my mm -hmm. mind is not a really good thing, right? So yes, you can pull money out and you can keep the property and that's that all works great as long as the properties continue to go up in value, but we all know that's not how it works. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. The other thing I was going to say is say you bought a property that was rehabbed two years ago and you're looking at selling it or refinancing it or keeping it, then you have a property that was rehabbed two years ago or three years ago. And so you have your major mechanicals that are aging. The property has been aging since you bought it. So you can reposition into newer properties. And if you do this at the right pace, you sometimes never have to really deal with any of that major mechanical stuff because you're constantly moving into newer properties. And so there is a method in that aspect that can be really profitable too, to not have as much maintenance on a property too, versus refinancing. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> so I guess let's go really quickly back through this. The whole reason for the valuation conversation is to try to figure out A, if you should sell mm -hmm. and then B, how you should sell retail mm -hmm. or to, to another an investor. investor. In every one of those scenarios, you can look at the refinance option. I've just never really seen it work that great. It yeah. that's not it's a that's conservative not necessarily true. It's not necessarily true for apartment complexes. Sometimes that works really, really well. But uh, I mean, if I were to look at refinance on the apartment complex that I own right now, as opposed to selling as I'm selling now, it still doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense unless I just can't find anything else to buy and I'm stuck holding it, which I just don't believe is the case ever. I always believe I can find something else. So how I analyze the whether or not to refinance a property more about rate than cash out refinance is I take, this is, I get this question a lot. So I'm just going to mention it here. I say, well, how much is that refinance going to cost me? They usually wrap it into the loan, but it's still a cost, right? So it's usually the last refinance I did on one of mine was about $2,000. I didn't have much equity in it, but the rate dropped significantly. So I refinanced for a lower rate and it only took me eight months to make that money back because my mortgage payment dropped significantly. So I said, well, yeah, eight months, no brainer, right? That's when I knew, mm -hmm. and the property was going to cash flow better, right? What we're talking about is also the cash out refinance, which you need to just do the same kind of math, right? Are you spending, yep. are you going to have a higher mortgage payment and how much cash flow will you have? So and really you know, all, same math. All of that comes down to, again, what your goal is. We talked about mm -hmm. this with, about my partner who's paying his off. He's paying mm -hmm. his houses off and he's keeping them. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's also nothing wrong with if you have $100,000 worth of equity, taking $25,000 out and mm -hmm. not like $75,000 out, right? There's a, yeah. You can take $25,000 out and go buy another property with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the cash flow numbers will probably work great, especially if you're yeah. reducing your rate. Generally, what I'm talking about is trying to get the maximum amount of available capital out of your property. And that typically doesn't work very well. Yeah. That said, if you're sitting on a 
five and a half percent interest rate, which I mean, I can't believe you would be, but if you are, then it might work. Oh my yeah. gosh. Are you sitting on a five and a half percent? Mine was 5.75. Oh I am gosh. sitting I am sitting on one because I thought I was going to sell the no. house. So I'm sitting on one that's 5.75 right now because I was going to okay, sell it. Well, if you're not going to sell it, you might want to. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. On that Usually if it's like a point, I mean, <laughs> that typically turns out to be a no brainer. Yeah. But hey, you do whatever you want to do, Heather. <laughs> Maybe you should do an analysis I... with your property and figure out well, whether that, or not. That was the one that I was going to sell and then rents went up. That's I know, why I'm just giving you so. crap. I'm just giving you crap. <laughs> so it's actually really fun. You guys, it's really fun to, I love playing with the numbers. I was going to be an accounting major. I was just talking about with a client this morning. Oh, so gosh, I love numbers. I know, right? Numbers don't lie. So it's really simple and it's pretty simple math. We're building it into the software. Well, we're building it into the software so that you can have all of that math ready for you and you don't have to do as much of the work. So I think it's going to be a real game changer for people to have more fluidity with information and understanding how their properties are performing. So I'm super excited for you guys to use it. So mm -hmm. anyway, week or two, you'll, you'll be able <laughs> to right. use it week or two. You'll be able to use it. That's It'll right. be fantastic. So if you want more information about that, you can reach out to us. Uh, well, about anything really, Heather, where can they reach out with us? Yep. Invest at rpcinvest.com. So please reach yep. out, ask any questions, podcast episodes. If you needed an evaluation on your property portfolio, reach out for that as well. If a bunch of you reach out at the same time, it may take a little longer for us to dig through them, but we will do it. Just wait till you. our software and then you guys can click a button. That'll be way easier for everybody. That'll be so. way, way better. No, we're so. happy to help you. I'm just joking. Yeah. Feel free to reach out and feel free to reach out with questions and things like that too. If there's something that we discuss in one of these that we gloss over and you're like, wait a second, what the heck is that? Just ask and we're happy to oblige. And like we said, we've already teased it. We're going to do a 1031 episode here very soon. That's right. Probably a really good one for us to do early enough before the end of the year that you could actually make something happen. So that, that'd be good. That's All right, cool. Well, until next week, get out there and make something happen. Most definitely. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.